tables and a place to be just for you. It's the Ultra Magnetic MC. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Blue Raider Hoops podcast, the only podcast that exclusively covers the MTSU men's basketball team. As always, I am your host, Oliver Baltz, and thank you for joining me. A couple announcements before I start this episode. Uh, um, I released a interview with Nick McDevitt earlier this week. If you haven't heard that yet, make sure you check it out. A lot of good stuff there. And um, second, uh, you might already figure this out. I have finally put my podcast on Apple Podcast, also known as iTunes. Um, had a lot of requests on that last year and this year, so uh, I finally made the jump. Um, and uh, I hope y'all enjoy it. I, I, I'm sure it's a lot more convenient. It is probably the biggest podcast directory in the uh, the platforms media. So, um, very good news there. To uh kind of talk about this it's just going to be a roster breakdown of this year's roster uh only have nine players that are eligible that are going to be on the rotation this year nine scholarship players we might see a couple walk-ons here and there but um so you know obviously a lot of turnover from last year's team so uh, I think eight players out nine players out and eight players in so I'll talk a little bit about that um just go through every single player kind of talk about where they've been, their strengths, and maybe some areas of improvement. And then uh, to end the show, I am going to do five big questions on the season and three bold predictions uh, on the season. So hope you all enjoy it. I'm going to start off with the starters in these first two games of uh, against Lees McRae and Milligan. Uh, starting at the point guard is Donovan Sims, the mayor, as Chip Walters introduced him in the open uh, practice that they had a few weeks ago. Uh, I like that nickname a lot. You know, obviously Donovan's from Murfreesboro, and uh, it just kind of fits. I don't know if he likes it, but I'm going to ask him if he does. I'm, I'm going to keep calling him that, but... Anyway, talking about his year last year, he came into the year uh, as a potential redshirt option going into the year before it started, and uh, he ended up playing. Uh, Kermit Davis talked about how he he had spoken with Donovan and his family, and they ended up thinking he 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 should play this year. And you know, thank goodness he did because Tyreek Dixon, the current starter, had a a few nickel and dime injuries throughout the year. He had a I think an ankle injury against Vanderbilt and then he had um a concussion that kept him out of a couple games uh late in the conference seasons and when Donovan came in he he really impressed he went I think above and beyond everybody's expectations for him really gave the entire offense a new dimension um able to run the team be a floor general and really was a, a perfect fit just being a distributor to scores like Nick King Giddy Potts Brandon Walters and um, he finished with six assists in the Western Kentucky win. He really looked great. That was definitely his best game of the season. Um, this year he's going to have a new role. Obviously, you don't have all those weapons and firepower. So Donovan is going to have to look to score a lot more. And, you know, he's still going to be the team's primary playmaker assist leader. So 
he's got a lot on his shoulders this year. But, you know, I'm really confident in Donovan. I, when I watched him in practice, he looked awesome. I mean, you have a lot of really good shooters on this team, Antonio Green and um, even the ones that are ineligible this year is Darnell Butler and C.J. Jones. But, honestly, Donovan might be the best of those four. Uh, he definitely hit the most shots from what I've seen. He's just got a very, very pure stroke. And I definitely don't think scoring will be an issue for him as far as from the perimeter. Main area he could probably improve his defense. He's not a very big kid. He's 6'1", listed as 165, so it's always going to kind of be tougher on him than most people, but he looked a little shaky defensively in the first two games, and uh, he's obviously going to be guarding way more talented players as the season goes on, so that is the main area improvement for him. Also could probably cut down on the turnovers. He's had eight in those two games. Uh, you know, like I said, he's got a lot on his shoulders, so I, I don't think that would be as much of an issue as the defense, but something just to watch out for. Moving on, next up we got is Antonio Green. A little history on him. He spent first two seasons of his college career at University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Um, was uh, Had a really great two years there. He was their second leading scorer his second year, averaging almost seven point, 17 points a game. Really, really good shooter, shot 43% behind the arc in those uh, two years there. Not just a shooter, though. I mean, that's probably his best asset on the offensive side of the ball. But, uh, you know, he, he can drive. He can handle very well. He's got a little bit of Kyrie in him, in my opinion. You know, I'm not I, – I, I hate to – a lot of people try to make player comparisons as if I'm comparing the talent. And, you know, that's obviously not the case. All due respect to Antonio Green, Kyrie's one of the best point guards in the NBA right now. But – Antonio just has this one-on-one. -on -one. He can break you down off the dribble. He can shoot over you. Uh, he's just a complete scorer. He, you know, not like I said, not just a shooter. Great at driving to the rim, finishing in contact. He's had a few impressive up and unders uh, throughout the first couple games. Another really thing that has stuck out to me about Antonio Green is uh, he's just really wants to be a leader of this team, which is a really great sign of like how good of a player he is mentally. I had a tweet um, talking about how last year, predictably, Giddy Potts was the loudest person in practice, but this year it was Antonio Green. And uh, I actually asked him post-game against Milligan just about being a leader, and he referenced Giddy. I'll let y'all listen to that right here. Talk about the leadership role you feel like you've taken on. Um, I feel like I've taken on a big leadership role um, just I mean, learned, I learned a lot of things last year, how to lead, you know, how to win in a winning environment, you know what I'm saying? Even though I didn't play, but just observing and being around the team. And um, I feel like I'm ready to, you know, kind of do maybe the giddy parts did last year, you know what I'm saying? Just leading guys, being vocal as much as I can, and just knowing, try to pick people up when they're down, and you know, people not always feeling their best, and just knowing that it's, it's always more, you know what I'm saying? A human body can do more than the mind wanted to sometimes, so I just try to relate that to my team. So yeah, as far as Antonio Green, um, you know, his skill set as a player and the fact that he wants to be a leader so bad, I'm expecting very big things from him this year. I think he is MTSU's best player and I think he's going to have a really, really good final two seasons uh, with this team. X factor for him is how good of a playmaker can he be? You know, like I talked about Donovan Sims, a lot's going to be asked of him as far as scoring and playmaking. Uh, Antonio Green's probably the opposite. But that being said, Sims can't be the only playmaker on this team. And I'll, I'll talk about the freshmen in a little bit. And each of them have uh, a good playmaking assisting ability. But 
they're freshmen. There's not it, it's hard to really depend on them because they're freshmen. So, you know, Antonio Green, that's kind of I don't want to say it's an area of improvement because we haven't really seen it yet, but that's kind of an X factor for him this year is he needs to be, you know, not just a great scorer, but a good playmaker. And whenever he attracts that help defense, he needs to find the open player. Moving on to the small forward position, Anthony Crump, 6'8", freshman out of the Detroit area. He was committed to UNC Asheville before McDevitt got hired at MTSU. He's kind of my bet to start at the three. Um, coming out of high school, he was listed as a point guard. He's definitely going to play the three this year. He could end up playing some small ball four. The kid really oozes potential. He's, he's got a lot of tools, you know, physically and skill-wise you know like i said he's six eight he's got a, a forward body but he uh he has guard skills like i said he can pass dribble shoot very well just like he was a, a pointer a shooting guard um you know that sort of combination of size and skill you know it really feels like he could be one of those mcdevitt recruits who just went under the radar with a lot of power five teams but he ends up being a power five talent you know, and that being said, uh, Crump has a long ways to go. He's still a pretty raw prospect. Um, but you definitely see the glimpses and the uh, the assets that he has as a player. Right now, I would say his number one area of improvement is defense. Um, it's been a reoccurring issue with him at practice. With all that length, he has an enormous potential on that side of the ball. I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue, but it's uh, something he's going to need to work on. Um and, and, you know, I will give Crump the credit here. Uh, from the first practice I saw him at to the most recent game, I've already seen a lot of growth. So I'm really high on him, his long-term ceiling, and I think he's going to have a really good career. Moving on to James Hawthorne, the starting power forward, Tookie as they call him. He played a backup role last year, just averaged eight minutes a game, went to a junior college his first two years. A very athletic guy, runs the floor well for a big I, when you know coach mcdevitt was talking about his fast break ambitions for this team and just having skilled bigs guys who can grab the rebound and run and dribble i was like man james hawthorne is, is probably an ideal fit for what he's looking for so i think he's a perfect fit for what mcdevitt is trying to do he's been the team's second leading scorer two games in he had 19 in the first game and then 12 in the second uh looks really good attacking to rim he's hit like i said he's hit that mid-range jumper he really likes it from the baseline and he, he's wet whenever he gets it in that spot main improvement for him i think is can he hit it from three uh he only shot one of 12 from behind the arc last year and you know i'm not saying he has to hit five a game at a 40 percent rate but i think he at least needs to show the defenses he can make that shot so they have to you know space the floor and it, it's so it, you know, it stretches the floor, it brings the defender out and allows more space for driving lanes. Um, you know, and I, I think that's very possible. James Hawthorne looks very, very good from what I understand. He's been working really hard this offseason. So I uh, he, I think he'll have a really good year for the team. Uh, he'll probably be a top three or four scorer. He's going to be a leader, um, obviously a senior, and he, he's going to be a, one of the main pillars that MTSU depends on this season. Moving on to Reggie Scurry, who has a very interesting story. He uh, transferred from Missouri State over the offseason. He went to a junior college as well his first two seasons. He averaged nine points, four rebounds, and just 17 minutes. That projects to, I think, like about 20 and 10 if you put it over 40. And, you know, I don't think he'll be playing 40 minutes a game. But obviously, if he's getting the minutes, I, I think the production is definitely going to be there. 
only 6'6", but he really has a center's type of game. He does have a lot of traits that kind of compensate that uh that lack of height. He rebounds well. He's got a good knack for that. He's got a good vertical leap. Very, very strong kid. Uh, you know, got a good assortment of post moves. Plays with a, a lot of energy, pep in his step, and he's probably the team's best dunker. He He's really excited when he slams it. Um, good, main, good mid-range, always playing with a big smile. You can just tell he loves to play a game. Really, really fun player. Um, He's expected to have a pretty big scoring role this year. Somebody somebody who I spoke to that's close to the team expected him to finish in second as far as points per game after Antonio Green. Uh, to that backstory last season, while at Missouri State, he had cryotherapy treatment gone wrong, ended up having severe burns on his feet, said he was in the chamber for only five seconds, and he was about 20 seconds away from losing his toes Eventually, it became the worst pain of his life is what he's described it as. As many know, Scurry is eligible this season. He is going to play, but uh, coaching staff is hoping he's granted another season by the NCAA. He only played 21 games last year, and obviously he uh, had a very, very serious injury that um, was responsible by the university he was playing at. So he's got a really unique situation. We'll see if he's given another year. I would love to see him have more than one season with the Blue Raiders because, like I said, he's just a joy to watch the way he plays the game. Area's improvement for Scurry with Missouri State last year, like I said, 21 games, only had three assists on 22 turnovers. Um, You know, only one turnover a game is not that bad, but the number of assists compared to that, that's a not that's a that's a pretty alarming ratio that he'll probably need to improve upon for this team to be successful. Moving on to the bench, uh, six man should be Carl Gamble, six nine player out of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, you know, you talk about the roster turnover this year, only three players back, nine players in, eight players out. But what's really stunning and speaks it to me is Carl Gamble's the only player on the roster to play more than a season with this Blue Raider basketball team. Last year, I kind of thought Kermit would sub in Carl Gamble when he wanted defense and then sub in Brandon Walters when he wanted offense. And, you know, I could see kind of a similar thing this year with Scurry and Gamble. And, I mean, they're all, all three of them are going to get a lot of minutes uh, and coexist with each other plenty. He's got really good size, 6'9", seven foot wingspan. He's not completely incapable on offense either. He only averaged four a game, but he shot 53% from the field. And he's got a good looking jumper, really. I mean, he can he's hit plenty of long twos last year and he's hit a couple threes already this season. So if he can step out, make that shot, it's gonna be really good news for the Blue Raiders as far as spacing goes. Question with Gamble is, you know, consistency and intensity. And, you know, I've always thought he has a very, very high ceiling as a player just because of that size and shooting ability. Key for him is just having the mental strength, bringing it every single game. And um, that's really going to be his big X factor as far as how, how well he plays this season. Moving on to another freshman, Junior Farquhar, out of the Toronto area. He is a point guard. You know, maybe a combo guard, but I would call him a point for right now. Um, had some eligibility issues uh, going into the season. I believe he he, he went to a French speaking school to at, at some point in his high school career, but that's all ironed out. Um, he is eligible this year, and he's looked really good in the first two games. He's got uh, really good athleticism, fast. You know, 
I kind of think he missed his calling as a running back. He's got, you know, a lot of athleticism, really big shoulders. He uh, He's had some injury issues towards ACL his junior season of uh, – of his high school career, but he doesn't play like it. He, he will go a hundred miles an hour and not scared of contact, not scared to fall down. Um, and I don't know. One thing I was told is, uh, earlier in practice a few months ago is that he kind of plays like a bull in a China shop. And, you know, his main area of, of improvement is, um, not playing at a hundred miles an hour and just knowing when to change speed and how to set the pace. And I will say, I think he did an amazing job at that against Milligan. Um, he didn't force anything. He, like I said, he just kind of has a naturally aggressive style, but he wasn't overly aggressive in against Milligan. And I think that's a really good sign. He had a really underrated game. I think six points, five rebounds, uh, maybe three or four assists, only one turnover. And that was towards the end of the game when it was garbage time. So, uh, really, really excited for him. I think he's going to have a really highly impactful career at MTSU, and uh, he's, he's going to be a really fun player to get to know and watch over the next few years. Moving on to Chase Johnson, 6'5", wing out of Buffalo, New York. He is the uh, the most recent Blue Raider commit of the, uh, I guess, seven players that committed over the summer. Former high school quarterback, state champion, like I said, in the state of New York. He um, he was on the way to play college football at Wagner College in New York, but had a change of heart, really worked out for MTSU getting him in July after they had so much turnover this summer. Really a do-it-all Swiss Army knife type of player. Uh, he's athletic, finishes well at the rim. I think that's his best, best asset. But, uh, you know, he's got some good distributing, playmaking abilities, uh, I think he has a lot of potential as a defender, strong, um, good size for a wing. I think maybe the main issue is shooting. I, I don't know, really, because the thing about Johnson is it's not like when he shoots, it just looks awful, but he just plain and simple doesn't take many shots. And, you know, he doesn't have much tape out there because he was, for the longest time, a, a, a football prospect. But the one or two things you can find, you don't really see him take any jumpers. And I've seen him make a few, so I don't know how much of an issue that is. But given he doesn't take that many, I'm going to go ahead and say he's not that confident with it. But um, one thing I really like about Jace Johnson is he is a true student of the game. And, you know, when you're at practice, you see the coach, you know, kind of give his input and, you know, tell the team what he thinks. And then, you know, everybody plays and, and tries to do that. But one thing I really like about Jace is he will – talk to the coach he will ask questions he will be engaged and he, he's not scared of that and to me that screams he's just a very very coachable kid and you know that's that's extremely mature for somebody his age so another player to be really excited for even though he is young I think he is uh, he is set for a good career here last player in the uh, active rotation as far as scholarship goes will be TJ Massenberg son of Tony Massenberg who is a NBA journeyman for 15 years TJ redshirted last year not really being in basketball shape and looked pretty slow, had to shake off a lot of weight. And it really does look like he's done so. He's, he's made uh, leaps and bounds as far as that goes. And uh, he should have a backup role this year. Like I said, I think Gamble, Hawthorne, Scurry will eat up about 80 to 90% of those front court minutes. But, uh, you know, TJ should definitely fill the remaining percentage. Still a pretty raw developing player, but has a lot of strength. I think that... um. His niche is kind of being strong, finishing inside, and 
being he, he's uh done a good job defending the post as well in these first couple of games um still like i said raw player i think the the jury's still out on what type of player he's going to be but that'll be interesting to follow going forward I am going to touch on the three ineligible players this year. Um, Darnell Butler isn't completely stamped as ineligible, but uh, it's still kind of hanging over his head whether he is or not, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, He's a junior, originally from Indiana. He went to a junior college in Oklahoma titled Seminole State. His first two years, last year he had a heck of a year, averaged 19 a game, made 83s in 26 games, which is pretty good. Um, uh. Has a lot of scoring potential. Um, Haven't seen much of him at practice. He's been battling some nickel and dime injuries. Uh, Did play in the open practice Friday, so he is healthy if he is eventually deemed eligible. Um, To touch on that, basically what happened with him is he committed to Missouri State after leaving the junior college of all places. And, you know, usually when you leave a junior college, you are immediately eligible, but um, basically he committed, I guess he signed with, uh, the Missouri state bears and he, uh, he had a change of heart after a couple practices and decided to open his recruitment back up. And obviously middle Tennessee, Nick McDevitt got him. But that being said, since he technically signed with a division one program and he's leaving, uh, I, until the NCAA says otherwise, he is technically a transfer player who needs to sit out a year. So I don't know. We'll see. It's a, another unique situation, as is Reggie Scurry's. Um, MTSU could definitely use his scoring ability this year, but at the same time, it might be better to have his eligibility in uh, the next two years when they'll probably be more competitive. Quick note on CJ Jones and DeAndre Dishman, two players who are definitely ineligible this year because they did uh, transfer from Division One programs. CJ Jones is a, a junior out of Arkansas sharpshooter um you know he can be a little streaky but he's the type that when he's hot it's going in he he doesn't miss so good size at guard for six five um deandre dishman transferred from eastern kentucky he's a he's all he's like kind of like scurry only six 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 seven but he really plays like he's six nine and uh he's got really good athleticism really big shoulders good size like i said things that compensate for that few inches lack of height but um uh, his stats were pretty impressive at eastern kentucky he led the team in field goal percentage uh was third on the team in scoring second on rebounding and you know i'm really hoping that scurry is given another year of eligibility because between him DeAndre Dishman and uh, Tyson Jackson, the class of 19, big man commit that MTSU recently got. Those three can be a, a, a heck of a, a front court trio. I'm I'm really, like I said, really, really hoping Scurry can be eligible because that I, I really like the way each of them fit, brings something different, and they're all very, very talented in their own way. One note on the walk-ons, Chase Miller is obviously very well known. Um, the other two are Lawrence Mosley and K.J. Lewis. And K.J. Lewis is just a freshman, I believe. But I will tell you, don't sleep on Lawrence Mosley. He's a he, he played junior college ball at Dyersburg State. And he, he really looks like he belongs in the rotation when he's, when he's out there practicing with them. Um, he's uh, got good size. I think he's 6'4", 6 6'5". 6 um, he plays his butt off. I think that's his main attribute he uh plays really hard with intensity you're not going to outwork him so you know assuming darnell darnell butler is deemed ineligible mtsu only has nine scholarship players on the rotation so 
you know, one or two of them gets hurt, then McDevitt might have to start looking at either Mosley or Miller to get some real minutes. And, you know, they definitely could be worse options as far as walk-ons out there. So I do think uh, that that's a, a positive. Right, now time for my five big questions, and then I will give you my three bold predictions after that. Number one is, can the bigs overcome their lack of height? And I touched on that a little bit already. Reggie Scurry, like I said, is 6'6". James Hawthorne is 6'7". You obviously got Carl Gamble at 6'9", but only two of those three can play at one time. And um, I don't know. I think that's kind of the, the main issue with the front court. Like I said, there's plenty of things that Hawthorne and Scurry can do to make up for that height and compensate. But that being said, they're going to play players that are 6'11", 7 foot, maybe even taller at some point this season. So, you know, that's a bit, that's a good half foot margin, uh, which obviously can, you know, it's a game of inches. So that can mean the world. So I'm really interested to see that. Um, Scurry will play a 6'11 center for Belmont. I can't remember his name. It's, I believe it's like the the Eastern European descent, but he's really, really tall, really, really long. So that's going to kind of be a good test for him to, to see how he can play against players that are that much taller than him. Number two, can the guards do more than score? Like I said, uh, I think Antonio Green and Donovan Sims are not going to have a problem scoring the basketball this year. Can they, you know, defend, play the other side of the ball well and enforce the opposing guards into difficult shots and decisions? Or uh, also, can they get everybody else involved? Can they do more than score on the offensive end and just do a good job distributing the ball, limit turnovers, and just get everybody else involved, open shots, and just create a a good five-man unit on the offensive side? Number three is what is going to happen at the small forward. So I think um, right now I think the, the starters are pretty concrete in the backcourt and the frontcourt. You got Sims and Green. They're definitely starting at the uh, at the one and two every single game, barring injury. And then you got Hawthorne and Scurry. And, you know, he might flip uh, Gamble in sometimes, but I think that those are going to be the three main faces you see at those two positions. So that leaves the three, and you have three potential options. You have the, basically the three freshmen. You have the current starter, uh, Anthony Crump, who, like I said, has a lot of potential, but also has a lot of growing to do. Uh, you have Jace Johnson, who's you know the lower ceiling guy, but I think he's more college-ready right now, and I think you're going to get more of an immediate impact out of him. And then you have Junior Farquhar, who's, you know, I'm – in that scenario, I think Green really slides to the three, and then you know Farquhar starts at the two. And honestly, Farquhar is right now, in my opinion, the best of the three freshmen. So that probably is your most talented lineup. But like I've said, the front court just is lacking size already, and now you're going to have a small back court. That that's just doesn't. It's kind of a risky combination when you're thinking about defending players who are, are going to basically outsize you at every single position. So that's um that's kind of the main question as far as the starting lineup and the main rotation. It was what is McDevitt gonna do at that three position? Question number four is how is the team going to respond to a pretty grueling non-conference schedule? You know, you have a, a lot of really talented teams that they're going to play. Belmont Monday night, Charleston Southern really isn't bad. Um, 
obviously they uh they're going to play some really really good teams in the uh battle for atlantis virginia is one of the best programs in the country right now but next game they'll play dayton or butler butler is the more talented program there but you know dayton's no slouch either they they've turned into a very uh a very talented and impressive mid-major program like the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders have. And then in that third game, they'll play Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Florida, or Stanford. So, you know, all of them present their own uh, difficulty in themselves. So, you know, that that three-day tournament is going to be very, very tough on the Blue Raiders. And then um, after that, they play at Vanderbilt, neutral versus Ole Miss, uh, at Rhode Island, Toledo, home versus Lipscomb. So they have a very, very tough non-conference schedule. So I digress. Um, my question is, you know, if this conf- non-conference schedule goes south, what happens? Do they, is their spirit broken? Because the, the Conference USA schedule isn't easy either. They play uh, three or the four of the top five teams picked in Conference USA this season on the road to start before the, the new schedule is distributed for those, um, the one through five, six through 10 and 11 through 14. But yeah, so after December, you know, say they're around 500, maybe even below 500, is their spirit broken or, you know, do they use all the difficult challenges and the tough teams that they face and do they get better from it? That is probably the biggest question in my opinion. And number five is, you know, what is coach Nick McDevitt's coaching identity? We've had 16 years to digest and see coach davis you know do what he did at middle tennessee and you know everybody obviously was very familiar with him and the way he did things at uh after 16 seasons but you know nick mcdevitt obviously is brand new we know he likes to play tall guards skilled forwards um he likes to do fast break on offense especially so we know that but i don't know what other elements are to him as a coach is he a tough love or is he a a zen master type of guy is he um, a massive substitution type of guy or is he a you know just your main seven to eight rotation players all all sorts of stuff like that so i think that's um that's a really important thing to kind of pay attention to as far as uh what he likes to do as a coach and you know how he will operate over his tenure here time for my three bold predictions uh Number one, I think Antonio Green makes first team all conference this year. Uh, I think he averages at the very least lowballing it 16 to 17 a game. Um, realistically, if I had to guess, I'd say he averaged in you know the 18, 19 range, and it's possible that he goes above that. And he, he's just that dynamic of a score, and uh, he's really the only one who can just create offense at an extraordinary level on this team. And I'm not trying to downplay what Sims, Hawthorne, Scurry can do because they can all score in their own right. But there's nobody like Antonio Green on this team who can just take the game over and you know drop 20 to 25 on any given night. Second bold prediction is I think MTSU goes into Vanderbilt and wins. Uh, Vanderbilt is a pretty young team. Obviously, Samoa Shitu and a Darius Garland are the two headliners there, but um, they they really don't have that much of experience after that. I think they only start one junior and one senior, and they may have a couple juniors off the bench, but they're not a team that oozes um, oozes seniority and maturity experience. I think uh, they get caught slipping at home. They think Middle Tennessee will be an easy game, and 
I think MTSU pulls off the upset there. Bold prediction number three, I think the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders finish top three in the Conference USA points per game. Um, this team is very, very, very good offensively, and they're going to create a lot of possessions with Nick McDevitt's uh, fast break mentality. And, you know, Marshall's definitely going to be there. Western Kentucky is loaded with talent, so they're most likely going to be there. So it's going to be really tough. And, you know, they're going to have to fend off uh, UTSA and North Texas for that uh, to, to be top three. But I definitely think that is possible for this team to do because Antonio Green, Reggie Scurry, James Hawthorne, Sims, or Donovan Sims, they have a lot of scoring talent on this team. And I think that is where they're going to hang their hat on as far as a team this year is their offensive ability. All right, y'all, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for joining me, as always. Um, I'm not sure when the next podcast will be. Probably sometime after the Battle for Atlantis, we will have seen uh, the Belmont game, the Charleston Southern game, and then the three games against uh, all those opponents in Bahamas. So we'll know a lot more about this team at that point, and then uh, they'll still have a lot of really good teams to face as far as the Vanderbilt, um, Ole Miss, Rhode Island, um, Lipscomb. So don't miss that. I, I will. Uh, I'm going to try to get a, a good interview from somebody from the staff or maybe a player for that as well. So um, if you're not following me on Twitter already, follow me at MTSU Hoops Report. Lots of really good live game tweets and insight there. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Means causing 